You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. Um, I kind of love that today is cold and rainy, <laughs> that it brings this torrent of uh, cold weather. Um, I'm sorry if it ruined your plans today, but I kind of feel like it's realistic to parenting um, and life, actually, right? <laughs> when, when our culture tries to sentimentalize motherhood um, into this beautiful, warm spring days of bliss or something like that, this, this kind of rain um, brings a more realistic picture of, of everything that's involved, right? Mother's Day itself doesn't exactly give us uh, space to acknowledge the losses or the difficulties around our own experiences of being mothered. And it can trigger or, or um, invalidate real grief that those of us who have lost mothers or children uh, have, or those who haven't had the opportunity to bear children if they want to. So I want to talk today about what we do with disappointment, who, who we are becoming in the midst of our disappointments. And you don't have to be a parent, obviously, to uh, know disappointments, but certainly relating to children can bring up and bring out our expectations and our vulnerability to disappointment. And kids themselves have so many disappointments. You might be familiar with this. I think we can care so much about something that it's easy to be disappointed. We can, we can disappoint, we can be disappointed with ourselves or with our children or with the circumstances that our children face. Uh, and the list goes on, you could add to that, I'm sure. Um, children are an important part of this community. And, and we learn by relating to them. The character of our life together as a body of Christ is formed with children in our midst. They're not just like here too, or or downstairs doing their own thing. They are significant and they they teach us things when we pay attention. And they're growing and being nurtured in this community and in this environment that we create. So before I go any further, I want to um, convince you of your value here to our our community, to this environment, to our children, and to the children that we have yet to meet, because they need us and who we are becoming in order to have faith. They need to see it and, and feel it lived among us. So we need Jesus to keep shaping us. And it's this dynamic process. We are dynamic becoming people, right? As we are formed, our children are formed. It is the environment in Christ we create that is the main teacher for them. Uh, So who we are becoming really matters because the way that we are changing and growing and living out a dynamic faith and working through our disappointments, it becomes the content 
that our children get. They absorb more of what we do and who we are than any message that we say. So I'm going to lead us to look at the story of Hannah in the Bible. She was a woman who could not bear children, and she longed to have a child. And she knew some great disappointment and sorrow. And even though this happens to be about a woman who longed to be a mother, I think that there are broad, there's broad application for all of us in our disappointments. So I'm talking to everyone, just, uh, not just the mothers or the parents. We all know disappointment. And we all interact in some way with children, too. There are, there are so many ways, um, as, as Megan was talking earlier, there's so many ways that we relate to children and to others who have mothered us. Um, there are kids in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our extended families, here among us. So whether you're a direct caregiver or not, whether you think of yourself as a kid person or not, um, the children around you are impacted by you and your faith. They are impacted by who you are and who you are becoming. And none of us are, are fully formed or developed yet, no matter how old you are. So tonight is a chance to think about how we relate to disappointments and who we become in the midst of them. I'm probably not alone to say that it's sometimes hard to be content. Uh, on any given day, I might be discontent with myself as a parent uh, or with the situations that my kids face, about the things that are happening in our society. We face indisputably dissatisfying circumstances, even if they are unique. And they're not just dissatisfying, but, but even inequitable and unjust circumstances that bring heartache and sorrow and anger. And even if you don't feel that for yourself right now, I'm sure you have someone close to you for whom you feel that or, or relate to it on a wider public societal level. Life is full of dissatisfying circumstances. Hannah's story is one such story in the Bible. She was one of two wives to her husband, Elkanah. The other wife was Penina. Penina? I checked with Jim. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing any of these names correctly. I'm going to say Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah did not, and she could not conceive, but she longed to. And her story um, is in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Every year, her husband and the, the whole family would, would leave their town to go to worship and sacrifice to the Lord. And um, because she could not conceive, um, Hannah could not conceive, Penina like, bothered her mercilessly about this. And when they went to make the sacrifice, Elkanah would give the portion of the sacrifice that was meant to be shared as a, as a meal. More of it would go to Penina and her children, and Hannah would get one portion by herself. So whenever Hannah went to the, the Lord's house, Penina would make fun of her, and she, she would become so distressed she wouldn't eat anything. 
So her husband Elkanah said to her, Hannah, why are you crying? Why don't you eat? Why are you so sad? Aren't I worth more to you than 10 sons? Uh, and one time after doing this, uh, after eating and drinking, Hannah um, got up and presented herself to the Lord. After they were eating and drinking, Hannah, Hannah went to the Lord. And Eli was the priest who was sitting in the chair by the doorpost. And Hannah was so upset she couldn't stop crying as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this promise. She said, Lord of heavenly forces, just look at your servant's pain and remember me. Don't forget your servant. Give, give her a boy. Then I'll give him to the Lord for his entire life. No razor will ever touch his head. And as she kept praying before the Lord, Eli saw her praying silently, and he was watching her lips moving, but her voice was silent, and he thought she was drunk. So he, he like, approached her and confronted her and said, how long will you act like a drunk? Sober up. And she said, no, I'm, I am a very sad woman. I haven't had any wine. I've been pouring my heart out to the Lord. Don't you think your servant, don't, th don't think of me as like a good for nothing. I am, I'm here to pray and pour my heart out to God of my great worry and trouble. And Eli responded, then go in peace and may the God of Israel give you what you have asked of him. So Hannah does conceive. She has a son named Samuel, and she fulfills her promise to God. Uh, she, she weans the child, and at age two or three, she takes him and presents him at the temple to Eli the priest and says, I'm that woman. I'm that woman who was praying for this child, and I've brought him back to give him to the Lord. But I kind of want to skip that happy ending and just stay with Hannah in all of those years of dissatisfaction when she longed for her circumstance to change. What do we do with our dissatisfaction? We need to let our sorrow and dissatisfaction get into God's hands. We can't let it stay stuck inside of us as if we could contain it anyway. It's so easy to, for bitterness to become bitterness um, that can leak out in all kinds of ways that affect people around us. So when we ask God to hold it with us, we open up the possibility for dissatisfaction to be known and transformed by a God who hears our prayers. So there's a couple things that I, I see in Hannah that could encourage us. First of all, to go ahead and just feel it. To be upset and tell the truth about it. This was her real lived experience. One translation calls Elkanah's other wife, um, Penina, her, her rival, who would make fun of her mercilessly, as I said. Of course she would feel that. <laughs> she felt how unfair it was, how confusing the circumstances were. She may have questioned God. The reality of her suffering was in her face all the time, in her own family. Not only did she live it, but Penina benefited from her position and like lorded it over her mockingly. And I think Hannah faced the shame. Shame is a really powerful experience and can lead to isolation. It can make us turn away from ourselves and other people and God. And if we internalize that we're not worthy, that something's fundamentally wrong with us, it's easy to become isolated. Hannah wept 
and she would not eat. Her body felt this sorrow, and it went on for year after year after year for Hannah. Shame can bind up our hearts and make us bitter. So we need to face it and name it. And then she did, and she brought it to the Lord. She prayed. She was a woman deeply troubled, pouring her heart out before the Lord. That is different than filling it up with other things. I realize that's a figure of speech, but it can go both ways, right? We can pour ourselves out or fill ourselves up in response to our disappointments. And, we, and we've been so trained to be consumers, it's easy to go in that direction. But pouring your heart out before God is a way to combat the messed up world that we're in. Scripture says that God remembered her as he had remembered Noah and his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It's not to say that God didn't uh, forgot his promise or what he said he would do, but it's to indicate that he was about to work out his promise. It was unfolding in her life. God remembered her. And in that way, I think Hannah needed more than a baby. She needed the one who gives the baby, right? She and all of Israel need the fulfillment of the promise that God had made to them. At this time, Israel it was in need of new leadership for a new future. And how God provides at this point, it doesn't start on like a national stage, but it starts in this personal plea of a barren woman whose child then grows up in the context of the corruption of the sons of Eli. There's more to this story if you want to read the whole thing. And he goes on to be used to um, anoint Israel's first king, which they had been asking for. I think every unmet longing in us can point us to deeper longing for God, our need for God's purposes and will to come in our own lives and in the world. We sometimes sing this gentle little song that says, love is and always was the longing place inside my heart to know you and be known by you. I think this personal love, this covenantal love of God with God's people fulfilled in Jesus is at the heart of our longings. And our dissatisfaction can be a place of prayer and waiting for the mercy of Jesus to be fulfilled in our lives. Hannah goes on to make a commitment to the one who hears her. Before she had seen the fulfillment of her prayer, before she had a baby, Hannah had committed that however God's provided would be in service to God, not just fulfillment to her. She made this solemn promise to dedicate any son to the Lord's service, including a commitment to not cut his hair, like Samson's mother in the book of Judges. Any person who was marked uh, in that way and like set aside like this is referred to as a Nazarite. And in her heart, she was prepared to set this child aside, to offer all that God provided for her back to God. And when she made this promise, she said, Lord of heavenly forces, which this was a common title for Israel's God, symbolizing the hope that God would fight 
for them against their enemies. She herself had her own enemies, but certainly Israel used this prayer. And God's response to this barren woman's prayer begins the story of Samuel, who, as I said, becomes the prophet through whom God will respond to the prayers of a whole troubled nation. Samuel was instrumental in transitioning Israel to be ruled by kings. And for some reason, as I read that, that really moved me, that Hannah's heartache for a child and the loneliness and the disconnect, the, the discontentment that she felt in her circumstances was the birthplace for God's provision for all of Israel. Israel's first king, like I said, was Saul, was chosen by God through Samuel's anointing. So I think the ways that in which we experience discontentment can be the means to which God moves us to name what is wrong, to face any shame that would keep us from hoping or calling for change, to pray for God's provision, and then to commit whatever God provides to the fulfillment of God's greater purposes. In Samuel chapter 2, it is Hannah's song is recorded. And we're not going to read it all now. It's, it's kind of long, but I encourage you to go read it yourself. Her prayer is a lot like Mary's prayer that she prayed after the angel told her that she would have a son who would save his people from their sins. It's all about the way that God reverses the fortunes of the weak, the poor and the powerless, while overturning the powerful. It is to an all-knowing God who sees the powerless and disadvantaged and acts on their behalf. She sings about a woman who was barren, now having seven other children, while a mother with many has lost them all. It's a song of praise that declares God's providential ordering of the world, even when she's not seen it all fulfilled. I think if we can live like that, our children and all the children around us will benefit. How we work out our disappointments has a tremendous impact on the environment that we create. If we think that we could or that we, that we should just swallow disappointment and keep going, we're not doing much for our own spiritual development or for the children around us. They need to see us deal with disappointment and sorrow and trust in God. I love Hannah's story because she, she is able to see that not only is God providing for her, but God is fulfilling God's work in the world. It's not just about God meeting our needs in, in a personal way, but about doing a greater work in the world that we get to participate in. And her son became a part of that. I know that that is a prayer for me as a parent in wanting my children to grow up with some real faith. I hope that they can see the ways that we move through trust and disappointment with God and that that can help them grow and develop some real faith to live with. Let me pray for us, and then there's some time to talk back. God, we, um, we want to live in trust that even through our disappointments, you are at work. 
I pray that our place of disappointment or discontentment can be the means to which you move in us to name the things that are wrong, to work for change, to move out of our isolation and to pray for your provision and lean on each other. Thank you for the ways that you are providing for us and our children that we can uh, keep creating an environment that will nurture the faith of the little ones around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.